0: So we're going to wrap this series up. We're going to pick up right where Pete left off last week, which he was in chapter 5, and he talked about freedom. And he talked about how as Christians, we don't use our freedom for ourselves, but we use our freedom to humbly serve others in love. And he talked about two things. He talked about um, the flesh, which is our passions and desires, that there are things inside of us um, that are not good. There are things inside of us that are not from God. Amen, somebody. And then he talked about about God's spirit, and he talked about how we get to choose whether we get to live out of the flesh or following God's spirit. And if we choose to live following God's spirit, something happens, that the spirit does something in our lives, that he bears fruit, fruit that we can't accomplish, fruit that we can't um, get to on our own, but that that happens. And the reason we're picking up right after, right where Pete left off last week is because Paul just continues that thought. And he takes those two lanes and he lets them collide together. And what we're going to talk about is what happens when people start to get close together. That's what Paul's going to talk about in chapter 6. Whether we're living from the flesh or living in the spirit, what happens? Because you and I both know that just because you're close in proximity to someone does not mean that you're close relationally with that person. It's different. And so we're going to pick up at the end um, Of chapter 5, before we do, the question that we're really going to use as a backdrop for our time together, the question that we're going to try to answer during the rest of our time is this. Why is community so hard to find? And I would be surprised if most of us gathered here or listening online, if most of us didn't resonate with that question, because we're hardwired for it. We're hardwired for relationship to be together. And this year has moved people farther apart, not closer together. And so we're wrestling with this question. Why is community so hard to find? So we're going to dive in. Chapter 5, verses 24 through 26. This is where we left off last week. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also be guided by the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, competing against one another, envying one another. Paul's saying, look at what happens when we naturally get together, when our flesh is in the driver's seat, is when we get closer together in proximity, it doesn't necessarily mean that we get closer together relationally because what's happening? There's a whole slew of emotions that are happening inside of us, our own passions, our own desires, and more often than not, rather than getting closer to people that we come in contact with, is we start jockeying for position. Because the passions and desires within us hinge on our own insecurity. They hinge on our own identity. And rather than getting close to people, what usually ends up happening is we use other people as a measuring stick for our own value. That if we're surrounded by people who we deem ourselves better than, we feel great. If, we, if we're surrounded by people who we deem are better than us, then we feel terrible. And what, if we're not careful, what happens is that other people become a casualty for a conversation that never leaves our mind. And Paul's saying, not so with you. There's a different way. He goes on in verse one of chapter six. He says, my friends, if anyone is detected in a transgression, you who have received the spirit should restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. But take care that you yourselves are not tempted. Paul's saying, not so with you. Just because of what happens naturally doesn't mean that it's inevitable. That we can be led by someone else with a different nature than our own, that's often so often turned inward, we can be led by the Holy Spirit that'll lead in a different direction. Because left to our own devices, we do, the steering wheel does turn towards conceitedness and competitiveness and envying one another. That when the Holy Spirit's in control, there's a different way. Now, is competition bad? No. If competition's on a field or on a core or on a course, competition can be really good and life-giving, but where can competition be deadly? In relationships, in community. Have you ever tried to be in a relationship with someone who is only interested in competing with you? It is not very fun because you can't show any weakness, you can't slip up at all, or they will jump at the chance to remind you that you're not as good as they are. What is Paul trying to tell us about community? I think this is the first thing we see from these first few verses. That community is not about who we can be against, but about who we can be for. The best way I can picture it is that God's kingdom is not a game of musical chairs. That there's not one chair left and we are all racing to get it. That just because if you mess up, it doesn't increase my chances that I'll get into heaven. That God loves all of his kids. He's not looking for the best one, but he has room for all of them. We're all on the same team. Have you ever had someone in your life who was truly for you? Have you ever had someone in your life who was more interested in what they could give than what they could receive from you? Who didn't want anything from you, but who was truly for you? Who, who is that in your life? I know when I think about that question, this is the picture that comes to mind. These are my girls. And yes, I am wildly outnumbered, okay? And I love it. This is my beautiful wife, Melody, and this is Nora and Naomi and Mila. Mila just turned two months, so we're getting more sleep. We're not getting a lot of sleep, but we're getting more sleep. I love my family. We have a lot of fun together. But this has been a place of brokenness in my life, too. I think back to a year ago, January of 2020, and I was probably in one of the darkest seasons of parenting that I've ever been in. And I didn't know how I got there, and I didn't know how to get out. I, I thought that if I came home every night, and if I, didn't, if I didn't go away, if I was just present, that I would magically have incredible relationships with my girls. And it was not true. And I didn't know what I did, and I didn't know where to go from there. And I'm so thankful that in that season that my wife did not come alongside me and remind me of how much better of a parent she was than I, than I am. I'm so thankful that she didn't remind me that she was their favorite parent, but she came alongside me and in a spirit of gentleness she sought to restore me as dad. I'm so thankful that, that we get to be on the same team and that she, she recognizes that our family doesn't win when mom is great and dad's not but that she came alongside me and was truly for me. Do you have anyone like that in your life? I think if, if we were to go around and talk about that, I think all of our lists would be pretty short. And that's why Paul is writing this letter, because this is a picture of what the church should be. This is where he's calling us to go, not to be against people, but to be for them. We pick up again in verse 2 and 3. He says this, Bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you'll fulfill the law of Christ. For if those who are nothing think they are something, they deceive themselves. Bear one another's burdens. Most of us do not like that word. Most of us don't like to have to admit that we have burdens, that we have areas of our lives that we can't carry alone. We would rather think about ourselves the way that other people think about us, that that's the true version of us, but it's not for most of us, is it? A couple weeks ago, my, um, my girls and I, we went to a greenhouse to pick out um, some flowers. And we went in, got mom some flowers, and then we went back home. And uh, later that week, I ran into someone who, unbeknownst to us, um, saw us at the greenhouse. And she, she saw me pushing my two older girls um, through, on a cart through the greenhouse. And she remarked to her spouse, she said, oh my goodness, look at how cute they are. They look like they're having so much fun. And I started laughing because I remember the only thing that my wife and I said as we pulled out of that greenhouse was, we are never doing this again. (laughs) Like that was the worst. It was the worst experience. Like it was just information overload. At one point we were trying to get a flower down and our two-year-old takes our huge cart and just starts mowing down flowers as she's turning. Like it was horrible. I'm convinced that they have a poster of our family that says, do not let them back in. But from the outside looking in, it was picturesque, right? It was perfect. And that's the danger. That's the temptation that all of us feel, isn't it? That the hardest parts of our lives, no one sees. That the depression and the anger and the frustration and the hopelessness and the addiction, no one sees. And then when we're out and about, people remark at how good of lives we lead. And we know the difference. And I think this is what Paul's trying to say. One, will we admit that we have burdens? Because we do. There's not a single person in this room or in any other rooms that are watching that doesn't have an area of brokenness in their life, and yet we're all so reticent to admit it. Will we admit that we have burdens? And number two, will we carry each other's burdens? And when I think about this verse, two faces come to mind. Josh and Hannah Fetima, and they're a part of our church. And I just want to take a moment, let's let's just peer into their story, they're gonna tell it, and let's hear it from them. Josh and Hannah Fetima.
1: Uh, I'm Josh Fetima, this is my wife, Hannah Fetima, and we've been going to All Shores for about a year and a half now.
2: All Shores, we were able to attend a few times in person, and then everything kind of went online, and. You know, even kind of being new to this area, Josh coming from Kalamazoo and me more in North Muskegon, and us getting married and moving to this area, um, even in the midst of kind of all that in a pandemic, um, All Shores was just so welcoming and just felt like home. Even sitting on our couch watching online, we were able to connect with so many people
1: so being in a, a new area kind of for both of us, we wanted to try to settle down in a new area and find people that are in the same walks of life, people that are similar age as us, and just find a group to connect to and kind of uh, call our new home-based group of friends around here.
2: I'd never really was a part of a church or a group. Um, so it kind of seemed intimidating. Everyone was so loving and accepting. I mean We all got together and we ate food, which is the best way to meet new people. Mm. So we ate a lot of food. We got to know all these young um, couples, we singles, some older couples, people who are all around our walks of life, women who I wanted to be in a few years, young moms.
1: Yeah, so right away when we joined the small group that we're in now, we had just found out probably, I don't know, a couple weeks prior to joining that we were pregnant with our first, and it was exciting news to us. We were able to share that with all these new people that we had just welcomed into our lives.
2: It was great to kind of feel connected to women in a different way. I've always wanted to be a young mom, and we were able to get you know, pregnant so fast, it just it felt like a dream. And it wasn't too long after, a few months after we had miscarried, um, and that was terrible. One night, our group showed up, with just all these wonderful things, these books, these devotionals about losing a baby that I didn't even know existed.
1: Yeah, so people that were a couple weeks ago complete strangers to us, were now just constantly asking what they could do, how they could help, um, just anything that they could do to support us and to help us through this, and it was, it was amazing.
2: I think the words that always come to my head is just, God is so faithful. He was so faithful to us that whole time. He didn't leave our side. He was there through everything. There's no taboo topics. I feel, we always feel very open to talk about and grow together and you know what's going on in the world or in our community that we can help with or learn from or um, learn to love better from. I think learning to love is probably always something that We're learning every day, so. I'm
0: so thankful for just Josh and Hannah's willingness to to share their burden that they could not and should not carry alone. And what I love about their story is that they said yes to community before they knew they needed it. That we don't know all that life is gonna throw our way But God has designed his body, he's designed his church for us to share one another's burdens, to carry one another's, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Here's here's the second thing we learn about community. Community isn't a place to prove anything. It's a place where we embrace each other's burdens, where we come alongside each other, where we encourage each other. And if we were all honest for a second, I know you probably don't want that. I know for me, I don't want that most of the time. That if I were to bring a part of myself to the table to a group of people, it probably wouldn't be the broken parts of me. But that's what we need. We need people to see us in those places and to love us anyways. I think most of us think that God won't give us more than we can handle, and that's just not true. Because if that were true, we wouldn't need the church. But God equips us through his people that he won't He won't give us more than we can handle in his body, in his people. And so we're drawn together. We're linked together. We'll wrap up with verses 7 and 8. Here's what they say. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For you reap whatever you sow. If you sow to your own flesh, you will reap corruption from the flesh. But if you sow to the Spirit, you will reap eternal life from the Spirit. Here's the last thing we see about community community isn't something you find. It's something you sow. Why is community so hard to find? It's because community isn't something you find. It's something you sow. It's not something you stumble upon, it's something you grow. It can't be bought, it's built. You can't just reach out and grab it. It grows over time. Community is a crock-pot meal, not a microwave dinner that meaningful relationships take intentionality and time. Here's the hard part about all this. I do think community is hard to find. And you might say, whoa, 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 Evan. Like, this is a holiday weekend, I get tomorrow off, we're going to the lake, can you be a little more positive? Okay, here's me being more positive. I'm positive that community is hard to find. I'm positive. I'm positive that community is hard to find, but it's not because it's not out there. It's not because God doesn't have it for us, but it's because it's not really found. It's sown. And sowing takes work, it takes intentionality. I'm not trying to discourage anyone. I'm actually trying to encourage you and to help you. I don't want to think that you are alone. I don't want to think that it's really easy for everyone else to find amazing relationships except for you. Because that's just not true. I'm trying to let you know that you're not the only one who feels alone in a crowded room asking the question, who even actually knows me? Who even actually cares? If I was to open up that door of my life, would there be anyone who would lovingly walk through it with me? Because if you, if you believe that, then you've heard at least one, if not both of these lies. The first is, it's them. It's that everyone, they're just hypocrites. They're fakes. They can't handle it. The other one is that it's you. That everyone else has amazing relationships except for you. That you are the problem. Can I just help you today? Both of those are lies. It's hard for all of us. It takes time. It's hard to find. It's easier to sow. I think it's a simple but profound shift that God is inviting us to make today. And it's this I'm not a community taker. I'm a community maker. It's not what can I join that's easy, it's what can I what can I help start that's meaningful. And hear me, God wants to take who you already are and what you already love and help turn it into something that will be community for you and community for other people. Some of you may know these faces. This is Edgar and Erica Gomez. And they um, were from West Michigan, Um, they've been in Guadalajara, Mexico. They're missionaries that we support through our church. They've been there for four years. And about three years into it, they started a church, which was their dream. In March of 2020, they hit their first year anniversary for their church, and then COVID hit. And all the relationships, all the momentum, everything that they had been building towards stopped, and they didn't know what to do. So they did the only thing that they knew to do, which was to take care of people. And so they took a lot of their funding, and they did food drives, and they just started asking the question, who's hungry? And they went to their church and to their community and they just said, who's hungry? And they would buy groceries and take it to people's door and after they would give them groceries, they would just say, hey, can we pray for you? And Edgar said that they did not receive a single no, that people were welcoming prayer. And one, fa- one family they showed up to was a family of five and they walk in and they give groceries and they pray with the family and they're walking out of, of their home and the family says, hey, can you come back? And they said, you know, when we get more food, we can come back. And they say, no, that's not what I mean. Like, will you come back to tell us more about this Jesus? Never heard of him before. And they're like, absolutely. So they come back and they start teaching this family about Jesus. This family gets so excited, this family of five, that they start inviting their friends over and their neighbors over. And now every Monday night, there's 15 to 17 people crammed into their house just learning about Jesus, which is incredible. A year later, a year later, just this month, May of 2021, over a year has passed, Edgar and Erica's church is able to start up again. They're able to start meeting again. And guess who shows up? This family. And the dad walks in and after the service with tears in his eyes, walks down to Edgar and he says, I've never seen anything like this. He's like, I cannot wait for next week. And what was incredible, Edgar was telling me just about their church and He said during the first year of their church, they baptized 18 people, which was incredible. And he said during this second year of their church, most of which they did not meet or see each other at all, they baptized 17 people. And Edgar said, Evan, guess how many people I knew before they got baptized? He said, two. It wasn't wasn't a pastor. It wasn't a pastor walking around and meeting needs and meeting people where they're at, it was the church. It was the church seeing each other and walking towards each other and identifying and meeting needs, doing life with each other. And I believe with every bone in me that every single person in our church can do something like that. Every single person. Because if God didn't want to use every single one of us, if, if he had some people on the sideline, if, if we weren't called to join this mission that he's given to reach our world, then why are we still here? Because I know that summer in West Michigan is beautiful, but it is not like heaven. If, if, this was, if all we were here to do was to enjoy what we have, we would be gone. We would be with him. But you and I are still here. He's left us on this earth for a reason. He's left us on this earth for a purpose. And that purpose is in the faces of the people around you. That he's called us to move towards each other. Not to be a community taker, but to be a community maker. You know, Paul ends this letter beautifully. He talks about this new creation, that God created the world and then sin happened and history happened, but then when Jesus came, when he died, was resurrected, rose again and ascended into heaven, God is recreating the world. He's recreating us, that we are moving somewhere, that we are moving towards a bigger and better picture of reality. Now, if there has been anything that I've said that has resonated with you, I just want to help. Give really practical steps. If nothing that I've said has resonated with you, I just want to encourage you to come back next week. Just keep keep hanging out with us. But if there's something that has been said that has resonated with you, I just want to help. Be as helpful as I can. If you were to move in this direction, I would just give you two things, just two. The first would be to invest eternally. What I mean by that is to look through our calendar, to look through our time with an eternal lens. Because if you don't, this is just our natural bent, if you don't, our calendar, our time, our resources will point towards us. And this summer will fly by and you'll have a lot of good pictures and you'll have a lot of good memories. You might have tan skin, which is physically impossible for me to get. But eternity will not have changed. And I believe that we're here for a reason. I believe that God wants to use you to make a difference where you are, how you are, taking the things that you love, taking the things that you want to do, that He wants to use you right there. That there are people that He has strategically put in front of you that no one else will reach. That you don't have to go anywhere, you don't have to do anything. You just have to do this next thing, which is include others. That's it. You know, we have this group semester starting up next week for six weeks. And what I love about this, our groups, what I love about these next six weeks is that people are just taking what they already love to do and they're inviting people into it. That's it. We have someone who's leading a kayaking group who they said they, they know that they want to go kayaking every week for six weeks. But instead of doing it alone, they're going to intentionally open up their calendar and invite other people into it for meaningful conversations. And they're just going to walk with people. There's another, there's another um, person who's leading a group out of our Coopersville campus who is literally doing a walking group. A woman in our congregation who's just going to walk one time um, every week for six weeks. But instead of doing it alone, she's walking with people. And she's inviting people into it. She wants to get to know their stories, what's happening in their life. She's just trying to walk with people through life. And I'm telling you, I know there's something in your life that you love to do, that you don't have to change it. You don't have to give it up. I'm just, I'm just encouraging you to see yourself through the lens of how God sees you, which is just taking what you already love, how he created you, and just making it bigger, inviting other people into it. I believe that God wants to use you. I know he wants to use you. How you are, where you are, to impact people around you. Last question. What's your next step? I am not your Holy Spirit. I'm not gonna tell you what to do. I just, the only thing that I would love to create room for, to create space for, is just for you and God to have a conversation. And whatever he tells you, I just encourage you to do it. Because I think our best life is following after the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do in our lives. And our lives are bigger than us. And he wants to use every single one of us to make the difference that he's asked us to make. And so we're just going to create that room. I'd love to pray for you. And I just encourage you to ask God what he wants you to do. And I'll pray pray for us. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you so much for this church. For my brothers and sisters, I know you love them so much. I know you're proud of them. I know you want to help them. You're not disappointed in them, but you want to come alongside like a good dad, and you want to encourage and love on and support. And God, you care about people. You care about eternity. You haven't gotten off mission. You know what we have been sent here to do, to pick up this mantle of the church not a place to attend, but a people to be, that we are your plan A for this world and there's no plan B, that you haven't given special offices to anyone, but you encourage everyone up to point people towards you, to build relationships where they're at and to have an eternal mindset. And so I just pray that you would speak so clearly to your people, that you wouldn't hold back and that you would lead them and encourage them towards the direction that you have for their life. I pray that you would do that. I also pray for those who are joining us. Maybe you're in the room or online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. In fact, you didn't know that you could have a relationship with Jesus. You just thought it was all rules. And you thought that Christians were out to get you and you thought God was mad at you. And, and that's not true. And you're feeling him pulling you towards him. And I just I don't want to run past this. I just want to give you the opportunity to respond to the one who created you, the one who loves you, and has an incredible plan for your life. And so, just pray this prayer after me. If that's you, I'm not going to ask you to stand up or, or come to the front. I just want you to draw a line in the sand that this is your moment. Just pray this prayer after me in your own words. Say, God, I hear you. I'm listening. I don't know what this means, but I know it's you calling to me, and I just want to respond. With everything that I have, I want to respond to you. I'm so sorry for going my own way, having to have the life that I want, the way I want it, and I surrender the keys. I surrender the car. I give my life over to you. I I ask you to take the wheel. You're in the driver's seat. You are the Lord of my life. You're in charge, and I pray that you would Continue to fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you would help me live a life worthy of the calling that you've given me. God, I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice that you will seal what has happened today, what you're doing in our lives, that we would walk out of here knowing that you are eternally for us, that you've never been against us, that you love us and you want to walk with us. We pray all of this in Jesus' name and everybody said amen and amen.